Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday to you. Ooh, Talking a beautiful day. Titans on a beautiful day. And Tennessee's going to try to knock off Georgia this weekend. Ooh, yeah. We're going to talk a little Georgia and Tennessee coming up next. With, uh, Mike Griffith, who covers those dogs. Can Tennessee score more than 13? Because that's the best anybody's done. Oh, please. More than 13? Nobody's I, I, done I, that. I'm putting money on they. They score double that. You calling your shot? 26. Yeah, 26 against them dogs. Oh, mm-hmm. Lucas. The dogs. I'm going to give them a whole bunch early. of 26. I'm, I'm going to give them a whole bunch of biscuits, and they're they going to be running towards the biscuits while the UT running to a touchdown. Hey, for mm-hmm. all you knuckleheads out there <laughs> talking junk about Stetson Bennett, Georgia's. Yeah, Georgia, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you at? Will Bowling. Georgia's offense <laughs> scores more per game than Tennessee. He is third in NCAA <laughs> in efficiency in the country. You know, Georgia. He's up for an award, by the way. What's the quarterback award? Oh, yeah. Oh, the Davey O'Brien or the yeah, Johnny I think United. Davey O'Brien. Yeah, he's up for one of them. quarterback awards, yeah. He's up for one of them. And the Heisman is a quarterback He's up for the same. For sure, the hooker's up for. Jordan Davis anybody can win the Heisman, that defensive lineman from Georgia. Yeah, Jordan Davis. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we got to give him a lot of biscuits. Well, you know, Georgia is fourth in the country in yards per play on offense. They average almost seven yards per play, more than Ole Miss. Yeah, they just act like this dude. Oh, they got the boring offense. 14th in the country in scoring because Tennessee's 15th. Watch this. Who have they played? Best team Georgia's played. The best team, yeah. Is probably not Clemson, right? Kentucky? Some people think the best team that Georgia play is who they're going to play on Saturday. They haven't played an offense like that. The team mm. in orange going to give them. I bet we're going to see a lot of guys uh, having cramps because they ate too many biscuits. But Tennessee also <laughs> hasn't played a defense like that. Nah. Well, uh, up front, Alabama. They couldn't run the football. Couldn't run it so all. That's probably what's going to happen in this game. But I, I'm thinking they're going to gas them out, man, because when Tennessee plays at home, man, that speed, they they get a they get another play every ten seconds. They are rolling. Black uniforms. Yeah, yeah. So, so oh, I don't, well, I don't. That has nothing to do with how they're gonna play. Yeah, black. That to get fast. the fans puffed yeah. up. You Skinny know, and fast. Yeah, they're gonna look. Ooh, they're gonna look. Ooh, that looks sweet. Flash. Boom, gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we gotta call our shot, man. I'm not. I can't call my shot too early. I just already told you they're gonna they're gonna double with twenty six points, and they're gonna give a whole bunch of biscuits out uh, to the the uh, bulldogs. <laughs> Uh, this might be a biscuit for Titans fans. Jordan Schultz, uh, who is a sports reporter, who is he with now? He is with, uh, I don't know, bunch he's with of himself, bunch of different stuff. He's basically with we himself. had the same conversation a couple hours ago. Who's he with? There's like six different. Yeah, at things one point, on he was with CBS or somebody, but he's just kind of break. He broke out on his own. He's almost yeah, he's went the wrong verb tense, like my son. He broke out on his own. <laughs> he broke out. Uh, my son takes and he taked and maked and he breaked. Uh, anyway, I love you. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, when you're seven, man. Yeah, I talk like a seven year old because that's yeah. how we communicate. Uh, Jordan Schultz with himself says, "I'm told Sean Payton and the Saints are preparing game plan Sunday v Titans with W out Alvin Kamara knee, who's missed con- who's missed consecutive practices. Oh, pick man. up Mark Ingram if you can." As he's only oh, rostered in seventy three percent of leagues, per my guy Jamie Eisenberg, fantasy, he's a fantasy uh, guy. No, but he referenced the CBS fantasy guy, oh, his man. old coworker. And Mike Dettelier told us we played this audio in the first hour. Essentially, get ready for Mark Ingram because he's about to get it the most he's gotten it since he's been back in the man. in the beautiful yeah. city of New Orleans. He's either gonna get a dose of Tennessee with Alvin, or you're gonna get a dose of Alabama. Yeah, you know, Saints have a uh, you know a couple other guys. Tuttle, 
uh, Callaway at the receiver, who's done really well starting uh, anyway to a certain extent, and he was a free agent. So he's doing really well. I I, I always I, I couldn't believe that he didn't get drafted though. What did that guy do? Because Ooh, he and he's a tall guy. That, it was returning punts. Punts too, returning punts. That's hard he's to do. Versatile. Yeah, I like it. My newest skill set would transfer. I knew it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's found him a home in the NFL, certainly. Uh, and then this from the Titans, if you're just kind of reacclimating yourself in the world, you're getting in a car or whatever, not spotted today in practice per Jim Wyatt. Ryan Tannehill, who Mike Vrabel later said has an illness, but he has no designation, which typically means that you'll play. Julio Jones did not practice. We saw him pull up in a route yesterday um, on some video from uh, Teron Davenport. Mm-hmm. And our resident doctor, Blaine Bishop, did not like what he saw. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, hamstring trouble. A.J. Brown didn't practice. David Long, Rashawn Evans, Greg Maben, Tier Tart, Dane Cruikshank. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike Vrabel spoke. No one asked him who's ruled out. That's the reason we always run Mike Vrabel's press conference live on Friday. No one asked him. Apparently, somebody fired the question off as he was leaving the podium. Uh, ben Arthur from the Tennessean had tweeted this out. This is who has been ruled out officially. This doesn't mean other people can't be ruled out. Dane Cruikshank, Greg Maben, David Long. Mm, that's going to hurt. But I, w- I want to go back to this receiver situation. We were talking about this during the break. I mean, right now, you got to guarantee like four guys are going to be dressing, and that's without Julio. So do you dress Julio in an emergency situation? Kind of like where you did with Lawan. Receiver in line is a little different to me, uh, you know, and the injuries are different. When you're talking about hamstring, standing for a long time and didn't think somebody going to go out there and play, <laughs> it's not, not conducive to try to help his hamstring. You know, either you're going to put him out there and let him get it warmed up and work through it, or you, you shut him down. So if not, they may make, dare I say, or Mickey say, who may be active this week because it, right now it's only four without Julio, right? Right. I mean, Lucas, you know, we're not good at counting, but we got Rodgers, NWI. Who else we got? AJ. Marcus Johnson. Marcus, Marcus Johnson. Johnson. That's, That's your four. big four without Julio, which and, means. And so who would be an option if you went with some of the guys that are just kind of practicing? Who got bragged on this week? I was about to say. Yeah. Never. yeah. Rhymes with Fez. <laughs> and and Dez. Dez. Your man Dez Fitzpatrick. I'm sure he's like, hey, man, I would love to get a game check. I'm available. I'm super available. Yeah. Dez Fitzpatrick is freakishly available at this point. Yeah, so just, to, yeah, get him a little bit of experience. Maybe get some spot play. You know he'll do special teams. One thing about Julio, you know better. he's not running down. Not, no, no. But Dez, you're like, hey, guys, we're going to punt into that guy. You go and just tackle that guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Whenever you got to get to that guy. And that way, just in case an emergency, you got, you know, one of the guys get nicked up or two of the guys get nicked up. We, you know, NWI, he, he runs down on kick. He's on all special teams, so he easy to get nicked up for a play or two. That's why all these people got enamored with some. Or they, they, or they uh, have a whole bunch of tight ends address. Right. <laughs> Which they don't even have that many tight ends. That group's been beat up. Um NWI was kind of like the regular or the preseason ends, and people are like, oh, I really like Kenzie, and I like this guy and that guy. And here's the thing we all said who really covered the team. They trust NWI. He was already getting trusted last year, yep. and he covers kicks like a demon, that guy. Mm-hmm. But they threw him a handful of passes last year. He's gotten year. better. Yeah. He's gotten better. Mm-hmm. 
So it, 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 NWI had done what it takes to make the team as like a number five receiver. He was kind of clutch, too, in a couple games here. Uh, oh, yeah. The Bills game, and, and uh, well, they lost the Jets I gave him my game ball up. one week for his offensive performance. He caught like three balls all in one drive. Yeah, 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 at the end of fourth quarter. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, went out there. Hey, man. Uh, NWI stepping up. So, uh, and that's that's how you stay on a team if you're him. And then that's how your role continues to get expanded a little bit because you show that you always do what your first role is. Oh, give you a second role. Oh, you can do that too. Mm-hmm. You can cover he knows kicks. all the spots. All the spots. All the receivers. So uh, that's, uh, you know, the NFL, the Kevin Dyson says this all the time. Look, there's some superstars. Most of people who play aren't superstars. It's a bunch of guys like NWI. Though they were superstars in college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's a whole nother adjustment period of realizing I'm not that dude no more. Yep. That is tough. And you got to d- convince yourself that you're going to be in this role and you better embrace it or you will be cut <laughs> quickly. Right, Lucas? <laughs> oh, I had a, a college receiver tell me he was struggled his first couple of years and he said, you don't understand. He said, I didn't even play football until I was a senior in high school and I had like 1,500 yards receiving because I was faster than everybody else. He said, I would just go out there and run to a spot, and the quarterback would throw me the ball, and then I'd outrun everybody. He said, what do you think my first couple of weeks were like around here? He said, I didn't even know what the routes were. I didn't know the route route tree. tree. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even know it. So they're telling me do this and do that. He said, I'd have to ask, what does that mean? He said, I thought I was going to have to go home. And he said, I learned it. I sat up every night in the dorm, and I learned this and that, and I learned, you know. But he said, then I had to learn concepts, and I had to learn combinations. He said, I had to learn – if this guy does this, then I do this. And if the DB does this, then I do this. He said, I really didn't know any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So he said, I had to figure out I can't just I can't just out ability everybody. Yeah, that's over. Yeah. And and think, some people go to college and still out. They just out oh, yeah. God-given yeah, ability people. They then they get to the NFL. And then that's over. It's over. Yeah. And it, well, the ones who keep working really hard and uh, have the super-duper talent, <laughs> all of them got the you know yellow jacket. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they still keep. Not always out athleting a guy, but they be, find a way to beat him. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's always the freak, like the freak, or like we talk about Daryl Green, who was 40 years old and finally slowed down to, you know, 4-4 four, four and, you know, Dion and it, it, Oh, well, you, we got one here. I mean, Julio. Julio's one. He's a freak of nature. This yeah. type of player. He, he, the king. I mean, He's those a freak, man. Man. Like, oh, man. Where'd you come from? Another planet. Let's hope that planet has fast healing feet. I hope it has a fast healing hamstring. Come on, Julio. Julio. It's getting lower and lower. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. (laughs) This offseason, if anybody starts pining for some, like, older guy, big-time free agent, I'm going to say, nope, I don't want that guy. I want just a worker bee. I don't want him. I don't want any big-time free agents anymore. None. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Because, like, Danico Autry wasn't a big-time free agent signing. No. He changed the, he oh, changed the defense. Oh, I that guy's kill is also. Yes. Yeah. Give me – give me if you get four free agents, just get me four Danico Autry's at different positions. Just quality starters in the NFL. You'll end up having just as good of success as some of the superstars. But, you know, that gets uh, people in seats. I know it does. It, gets, it, play, it gives us a lot to talk about uh, in the summertime around here, too. Uh, we have plenty to talk about. But I, I'm all about worker bees, hard hat guys. One of those guys, Mike Griffin, uh, covers for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He covers those Georgia Bulldogs. Let's Donation. talk some Tennessee and Georgia coming up next right here on Blaine and Mickey on Friday. Arr, arr, arr.
Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. It's going to be a fun football game tomorrow between the Dogs and the Vols. Uh, I think Vol fans are really hoping it's a fun football game in this dominant Georgia defense. Maybe, uh, you know, has to take a breath or two during the game. We're joined now by Mike Griffith from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Going to talk about this stuff. Uh, Mr. Mike, how in the world are you doing today? Oh, doing great, guys. Hey, need to say this. Uh, I noticed in your in your bio. I guess I'd noticed this before. You are a veteran, and uh, certainly this day after Veterans Day, thank you very much for your service, sir. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Honor and privilege, man. I tell you, you learn a lot when you join the military, and uh, I got a lot of college money too, so that worked out for me back then, long time ago. Well, it's all right. Uh, but anyway, we certainly appreciate you and the sacrifice made by so many others who uh, took that same oath to. Per- Protect us so we could all be fat and happy and do the things that we want to do because a lot of brave people like you, uh, you know, they uh, face down all those uh, things out there that uh, would come after this country. At Mike Griffith, 32, Atlanta Journal-Constitution reporter. So let, let's just – here's my my top question. I'm just going to start with one off the top rope. Can the Vols crack the mythical 13-point barrier <laughs> against Georgia that seems to have been impossible for anybody else this year? Wow. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, um, it, you know, this is probably the best offense that Georgia's faced. And and Georgia's obviously without their sacks leader, um, you know, Adam Anderson. So I think a lot's going to depend on, on uh, really, uh, you know, how the Georgia offense fares. You know, in the past, you know, Georgia's done a pretty good job not turning the ball over, not giving opponents a short field, you know, doing a good job in special teams. So much of this is field position, right, when you think about where drives start. Uh, Georgia's got a great punter in Jake Camarde, kind of one of those hidden hero guys that can flip the field. So, you know, I, I think it's possible for sure when you consider how fast Tennessee plays and their ability to get plays off, ability to get teams misaligned. I know this. I know Kirby's been working on this game plan uh, for bits and pieces for the last four weeks. He takes parts of practice out just so he can be ready for this hurry-up style that Tennessee plays. You mentioned the the speed and just how fast they go. I, I know Georgia is super deep, especially in the front. Could some of this speed keep them from substituting in some of those fresh leg guys who are all other four and five star recruits? Sure, if you're moving the chains, right? If you're getting first downs, uh, you know, and then they're not as deep in the secondary. So, uh, yeah, I mean that can create a lot of problems. But it's it's one of those deals where whose band's going to play? I mean, you know, Tennessee's also given up 33 sacks. There's a potential for turnovers. Um, you know, somebody's going to make a play, though, and, and that's what makes it, I think, exciting is it gives Tennessee a chance. And, of course, Tennessee pulling out all the stops. They're wearing those dark uniforms. I think it's Tennessee homecoming. I don't know. Last time uh, Georgia team was scheduled as somebody's homecoming opponent, but uh, that's that's the situation. And for Georgia, you know, this is kind of their last real hurdle. This, this, this could be their first undefeated. SEC season since 1982, so the dogs are playing for a lot here. Man, uh, and Lucas Panzica confirms uh, Tennessee alum. It will be homecoming. We need to fire the scheduling coach, whoever scheduled Georgia for homecoming. I think you oh, could uh, well, take a much that, easier. I already have my ding dong. <laughs> Mike Griffith, our guest here from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. <laughs> well, Mike, man, thanks for coming on. Uh, I guess what is Georgia's health situation? You know, they've had some injuries. I know a lot of at receiver uh, hasn't affected a lot of things. Uh, their team is so talented. But where are they, are, where are they uh, as, as a team? Well, their best receiver is George Pickens, and he's out. And their fastest receiver is Arian Smith. And we found out a couple of days ago that, that he's out. Uh, Dominic Blaylock is another experienced guy that, that, that hasn't played this year. So, you know, they, they're pretty beat up. 
uh, at the receiver position. That's why, you know, you probably see more double tight end than you do the multi-receiver sets. Uh, left tackle, Jamari Salyer, that's their best offensive lineman. Uh, this this looks like this will be the second game he'll miss. So, you know, they're missing their best offensive lineman. You know, Kendall Milton, um, arguably their, their best running back. I know Zamir White kind of leads him in carries, but the Milton kid is, he's pretty special. I don't think he's going to play either. And then you mentioned on defense, you know, we talked about Adam Anderson's availability. Uh, not going to be there. I think Christopher Smith um, hurt his shoulder a few weeks ago, but I think he's going to play. But it's it's a pretty banged up team. I mean, they've had a lot of attrition. I, you know, I could go down a laundry list of guys that you know were projected starters that aren't out there. And there's probably five, six of them. Um, but they, they're deep, like you guys said. They're deep. They're talented. Uh, they're well coached. Nobody's really pushed Georgia yet or taken them out of their comfort zone really since the Clemson game. That's really the last time we saw George in any kind of a dogfight. Mm, well, with uh, Michael Griffin with the uh, AJC as well as Dog Nation, I guess, tell me, everybody is kind of down on, you know, from the bird's eye view of Stetson Bennett. But he keeps producing, what is he, like third in the nation in efficiency. I like his story. I like how he played last year. I like how he's playing this year. He's doing everything he's supposed to do. Why are all the people so against or naysayers against him? Because they have the back. I don't think that. I don't think that they're against him. I think JT Daniels is just that much better. You know, I mean Stetson is a. You know, he doesn't have the arm. He doesn't have the height. Mm-hmm. A lot of those deep balls that are getting caught are fifty-fifty balls. Could have easily been picked. You go back to the Florida game. He was ten and nineteen with two interceptions and a touchdown against a real suspect Florida defense. So. You know, what you see with Stetson, though, is a lot of play action, a lot of ground game. Uh, George is predominantly a ground-and-pound team when he's out there. They haven't thrown more than 20 passes when he's in a game. And, I mean, he ought to be completing passes. I mean, if everybody's putting eight in the box and you're just taking shot plays and play action, then you, you should have a very high rating because you're not throwing it that much. Um, but you look at JT Daniels, and, I mean, he just he's just so much better. I mean, he can do so many things at the line of scrimmage. Much, much better arm, uh, stronger arm, more arm talent, uh, more cerebral guy, almost Manning-like at the line of scrimmage with the pre-snap reads, setting the protections, adjusting the routes. Uh, and, and the question is, you know, when when will we see JT, you know, this week? You know, he came in a little bit late. He'd missed those five games with a, a strained lat. And I think Kirby eased him in a little bit last week uh, against Missouri. I think we're going to see him again this week. Um, but George is just a different team with JT out there. I mean, mm. the last game he started, they were up 35-0 on Vanderbilt in one quarter. Granted, it was Vanderbilt, but, you know, they put Stetson in there, and, you know, he scored three points the whole second quarter. So when you got JT out there, you, you turn into a pass-first team that, that shows you more of that explosive football that was kind of seen more of a contemporary game that those recruits like to come and play in. Mm. Well, Mike Griffith with the AJC. With that, all that being said, then – if this becomes a shootout, then we will see JT Daniels. Then he'll be out there because he has a bigger arm. He's has he's a better talent. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, if they, I mean, I think we were two and a half minutes from seeing him out there against Florida. I mean, that that was a three to zero game with three minutes left in the first half. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kentucky's a fourteen seven game at halftime, and you know, it, it's what I said. You know, with Stetson, it's it's more of a pound, wear the other team down, mm-hmm. field position game. But you you put JT out there, and that's. That's firing up the jet, man. That's going from a propeller plane to a jet. Not to say the propeller can't be efficient. It can. There's still some people that fly on propeller commercial airlines. But you put JT out there and you're in the 21st century with your offense. It's just do you have 
the weapons on the perimeter. And we talked at the start of this interview about a lot of these receivers that we're missing. And so if you're Kirby Smart, you got to play an offense. Uh, you know, play your quarterback. It's really designed for your personnel. And, you know, we've seen a lot of double tight end. But and one of those tight ends is Brock Bowers. And, you know, it just blows my mind that guy's a freshman because the way he's able to catch and run. And, I mean, the kid's got a 40-inch vertical. I mean, you don't expect that out of a tight end. So they got a special weapon there. And then Darnell Washington, I mean, this guy – I mean, he's going to be on somebody's fantasy football team in a couple of years. I mean, this dude goes six seven two eighty, and he'll truck you or run away from you. He's hard to cover. So they've got some tight ends that are really dangerous and difficult matchups. And, you know, now you got Jermaine Burton back on the perimeter, a kid named Ladd McConkey on the perimeter, uh, Adani Mitchell, a Tennessee kid originally, on the perimeter. They've got some threats. And um, it's just a matter of how does Kirby want to play it and can Tennessee take Georgia out of their comfort zone and push Kirby – uh, like I said, to, to pull that jet out there and start firing the ball in the air. I mean, those defensive-minded coaches, I don't need to tell you guys this, they run the ball all day if you let them. That's what Gene Stallings did when I covered him at Bama. Mark D'Antonio liked to do that when I covered him at Michigan State, all these former DBs. Uh, if you let them run the ball on you all day, they'll do it. But if Tennessee can score or shut down the run, uh, Missouri kind of gave the, the Georgia run game trouble. Um, if Tennessee can do that, I think you'll see the ball in the air. With Mike Griffith, uh, AJC and Dog Nation. Mike, how how close was JT Daniels to uh, maybe wearing the big orange? I mean, it was pretty close. I, I, you know, just from the stories I did when I went back to uh, California last summer, spent some time out there at Modern Day and St. John Bosco where DJU went. Um, they were real close. I mean, and Jim Cheney and, and Jeremy Pruitt. Um, you know, they were. You know, he would have been the guy. You know, there was a lot of every. He could have pretty much gone anywhere. LSU was interested. Ohio State was interested, but Tennessee was kind of a play right away situation. Uh, as it turned out, uh, JT wasn't ready to play at the start of last year. You know, remember he didn't play until the last four games because that knee injury. Uh, that was Kirby's call. You know, JT was cleared for Tennessee week, but he didn't play until later in the season. I mean, Kirby's very cautious when he gets when it comes to getting these guys back on the field. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was close. I mean, Tennessee was a school that wanted him that that was going to play him, that at the time was playing more of a pro style. But uh, in the end, you know, Kirby just had too much to offer in terms of opportunities to win a championship. And a lot of these receivers, uh, albeit they're, they're not healthy now, but, boy, when George Pickens is out there, he's about as good as there is in college football. And he'll be coming back soon. I don't think we're going to see him this week, but I do think we'll see Pickens by the SEC championship. What does the future hold for Daniels? I actually caught your appearance on another show, and you were saying just how helpful he is to Stetson Bennett, basically like having another coach. He's obviously has eligibility left, but what's what's the future hold for him? No matter what happens this year, come back and lead the team next year. You think? I, well, I mean, I, I guess so. You know, if if he if he's the guy, I mean, if yeah. if Kirby finishes with Stetson Bennett as the guy, then you know maybe JT goes somewhere else. I don't think he comes back if he's a backup to Stetson Bennett. I'm, I don't know many coaches, many quarterbacks that would do that, but well, I thought I, I, I thought uh, I thought Stetson though was actually done after this year. Does he have another year of eligibility now? He's got another COVID year, I think. Ooh, I mean, okay. He's a fifth-year senior, but I think he's got a COVID year. Um, you know, and they they got other guys. They got Carson Beck and Brock Vandergrift. They got a couple other guys, but I think JT's coming. If I had to bet, he'd come back for another year, and I think he'll be a Georgia because I do think that Kirby's going to work him back into the lineup. Mike Griffith uh, talking to us here on Blaine and Mickey, Georgia and Tennessee coming up tomorrow right here on The Zone.
Yes, Mike. Uh, I know Cade Mays is playing his former team. Uh, you know, any been any conversations what what that'll be like? I know I know he's done it before, but uh, you know, just you know, always going to come up. Yeah, he hasn't allowed any sacks yet this year. He'll be tested for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. You know, we think about Tennessee's explosive offense, but these guys will pound at you, and they set up their shot plays. So I think the line of scrimmage is going to be a lot more important than anybody realizes. You know, we all think about those Tennessee receivers lining up wide and, you know, kind of, you know, beating you by getting your eyes in the wrong place. But it all starts up front. And to me, they're going to have to neutralize that Georgia pass rush uh, for those perimeter receivers to kick in. I mean, that's the trick is buying enough time to be able to find those receivers downfield. And that's where Hennon Hooker has to have a really good game. We've seen some quarterbacks move around, run the ball with some efficiency against Georgia. Uh, and, and it's going to be on Hooker. I mean, he's going to have to have one of those great performances. No doubt about it. You talked about in the trenches. Has Kirby talked about, I guess, how to prepare for this style of offense and what they, they were doing at practice? Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably not a surprise to you. I mean, they've got two scout teams ready, and they, they snap the ball, you know, and then the other scout team runs on the field and snaps the ball against the defense, mm-hmm. and it is tricky. Um you know, you guys talked about the substitutions. It makes me feel like Georgia's going to be a little bit more vanilla. But I'll tell you, Georgia's been a little bit more vanilla this year anyway. You know, in the past we've said, oh, yeah, they're a lot like Alabama. And, you know, we've seen them get crossed up and, and maybe uh, lose track of assignments in some of those games last season. But, you know, Kirby said, hey, we took a step back and we simplified. And, you know, Kirby said that Georgia playing more zone now, more zone concept, just straight zone, not letting guys get behind them. And basically getting enough pressure with that down three or down four, you know, where the quarterback still has to get rid of it with guys in coverage. So, you know, I I think Georgia's about as well-equipped to handle this as anybody. That said, uh, you know, Josh Heupel, you know, this ain't his first rodeo. I'll give you an example. You know, Kirby was talking about how much Josh has added since he was at Missouri as an offensive coordinator. I, and I went back, and, of course, I looked at the numbers. I said, oh, look at this. You know, Georgia, you know, beat Missouri, you know, 28-27 this year and crushed them, whatever, in, you know, 2017. And I brought that up to Hypo, and he goes, yeah, well, I've changed because of my personnel. He said, you know, whether that's at Missouri or the 2014 Sugar Bowl. And I said, wait a minute, the 2014 Sugar Bowl, what's he talking about? Well, I went back and looked. Hypo was the co-offensive coordinator on that Oklahoma team that toasted that Kirby Smart Alabama defense. Mm. So Kirby's dropping memories of beating Missouri, and Heupel one-ups them and says, you know, hey, let's let's talk about the Sugar Bowl there, Kirby. So there's some competition between these coaches. I mean, he obviously didn't say it like that, but that's kind of a classy way. To me, that's a classy way of trash-talking. Like Kirby brings up a couple games, incidentally, from Missouri and Josh just happens to bring up a game that, you know, an offense that he was co-offensive coordinator for scored 45 points on a Kirby Alabama defense. So these guys are, you know, Josh is new to Tennessee, but these, these are old, these guys have crossed paths before. And I think there's a begrudging respect. I mean, you got a former college quarterback against a former college safety. I mean, there's just a net. That's, that's just kind of one of those cat and dog things, you know? No doubt about it. You said that was the 2014 Sugar Bowl? Yeah, go back and look up the box for the 2014 Sugar Bowl when Josh was the co-offensive coordinator 
yeah. for Oklahoma, and they beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. Alabama. Okay, cool. Well, speaking of that, then, Kirby Smart, maybe he wins because guess what? Is he going to win the SEC Coach of the Year and maybe Coach of the Year overall? Well, I mean, if they go undefeated, I mean, right now this mm-hmm. defense hasn't given up more than 13 points in a game, and you got to go back to 1992 Alabama to find another defensive unit that you could say was nine games into the season and hadn't given up more than 13 points. And, you know, you guys might have mentioned it earlier, conversely, you know, Josh Heupel's coached 45 games between Tennessee and UCF, and he's never scored less than 14. In fact, Josh's offenses have scored 20 or more 44 out of the 45 games. So, you know, obviously talent has something to do with it. It's not just X's and O's. But, you know, I know Tennessee fans are excited. They got a coach that's kind of on to something here. I mean, think about it. They lost 39 guys in the transfer portal. And Heupel's been able to plug and play his way to a 5-4 and record and uh, find a scheme that you just know recruits are going to be lined up to play in this because it's exciting and it's explosive. Mike, good stuff, man. We appreciate you taking the time uh, today again, and uh, always good catching up with you at Mike Griffith thirty two. Lots of good stuff there on your Twitter, or however they want to uh, consume the Atlanta Journal uh, Constitution, man. Well, thank you again, and uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the game on Saturday. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Mike. Yes, sir. Mike Griffith, right there. Um, when we come back. It's time to call our shot. You want to call your shot? Jump in the Zone TV chat and do it. You can hit us on Twitter at Blaine. And Mickey, or just call the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline and give us your shot. 615-737-1045. It is Blaine and Mickey on 1045 The Zone. I'm looking at Twitter earlier. Lucas Panzeca drops this amazing anthem on his timeline. Lucas, you want to give people the background on this beautiful song? This is allegedly the theme song for the Orlando Magic in 1989. So this is being performed on the floor of the Orlando Orlando Magic's arena in the late 80s. Uh, and I just could not get over how electrically amazing this was. If this happened at halftime or pregame of every NBA game, I would be watching NBA basketball every week. I mean, are you kidding me? Screaming overprocessed guitar line right there. I mean, that's abracadabra alakazam. I mean, I just... Played straight into a mixing console somewhere. I think I'll watch that four times today. And and the guy's really selling it vocally. Let me have one more shot of this just to get me into the weekend. Playing is speechless. Oh, you got nothing for this? Mm-hmm. The dancers and the lights. It's just amazing. And, and, and Lucas is right. This is all going down on the court, like at halftime of the All Star game or something, I think is what the uh, clip said. Yeah, I think I would be more intrigued by the uh, cheerleaders dancing. Oh, they're dancing all around us, dude. At one point, their choreography gets crossed up, and they basically bump into each other. But uh, my man just keeps selling that vocal line. Alec Beautiful disaster. Abracadabra, razzmatazz. Alakazam. Abracadabra, Alakazam. There was a razzmatazz and a hocus pocus in there. 
I think they played that right before <laughs> Nick Anderson shot his free throws. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was too soon. You can't have the drive-by on Nick at night, Anderson. Sorry, man. Oh, man. I remember when you were at the fight in the line. Nah, man. You bad, man. Hey, Orlando should have, they should have had a championship. <laughs> uh, this guy's a fantastic shooter. Just froze. I mean, he just. He had the yips. He, he got the yips. <laughs> like Steve Sachs not being able to throw it to first and second type yips, yeah. but from the free throw line. Yeah. I want to see your yips in your, your, your call your shot. Uh, there's a couple people having the longest conversation I've ever seen in his own TV chat uh, right now. Uh, if you'd like yeah. to join them and, and call your shot, you're welcome to do that. Uh, we always call our shot on Friday, brought to you by Chattanooga Whiskey, available at your favorite Nashville retail store. You yeah. can drink Chattanooga Whiskey. Enjoy responsibly. Maybe maybe a taste this weekend. Enjoy yeah, yeah. responsibly. Yeah, Lucas likes to keep score on this stuff too, right? Where are we at? Blaine, you went. You had a two for last time, and you got them both right. So you get two W's. Oh, oh. Uh, because, I needed. I need to catch up. Well, okay. You said Titans win and Vols blow out Kentucky. So I, 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 so I don't know. Maybe I we won, should, but maybe I we just yeah, give you the one. If you consider three a blowout, yes, they blew. Them. If you consider three a blowout, then you got them both. So if that's that, the case, that meant that they were going to win. They were not favored in that. So I do get a W for that. So Mickey, you're four and two. Blaine, you're two and five. I am five and one. We all took the same thing last week. We all took the balls over Kentucky, which we'd never we done. We did. We you were guys all just, very confident. You guys just sold me on that one. I, just, I drank the Kool-Aid mixed with the Chattanooga whiskey, and I, and I just jumped right in it. All right, Lucas Panzica, uh, let's hear your, your shot caller, big baller. Vols score three touchdowns against Georgia, but Georgia still covers the 20-and-a-half-point spread. Oh, man. Okay. So he they get over 13. I'm going to go for that. They're going to double what they've given to other teams, and they're going to cover the spread. So they're going to score 26, and they're going to cover the spread, which I think is 20 points. Is it still 20 points? 20 and a half, yeah. Oh, 20 and a half. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to go as far to say that I'm drinking the Kool-Aid all the way I'm sipping right now. But I, I really believe they got a great shot. If If the tempo goes the way – in their favor. If it's fast pace, they're going to win. And that comes with they have to get some turnovers. But if this becomes a slow, methodical game, as far as George's offense, then that's keeping that offense off the field for UT. Well, I the think thing? they got a better shot than people think. I think they're going to be in this game all the way to the fourth quarter. I think they're going to be in it. They ran in with Ole Miss. They ran in with Alabama. I mean, yeah. they, they've been in games. This, this offense is hard to prepare for, even if you're the greatest – defense in the country now the issue is up front now they couldn't block those guys from alabama so they sure ain't gonna worry about block these guys i'm just hoping you turn that thing up to warp speed and these guys start cramping and then they just start you know just oh i'm so tired and you just run right through <laughs> at some point <laughs> gotta be able to run the football they were not able to run the football versus alabama i think uh georgia secondary uh probably just as comparable they just got a better front so mm -hmm. Gonna be a close one, but I'm not gonna go as far as say they're gonna beat them though. Vols to the wall on Twitter says Vols thirty eight to thirty five oh. over Georgia. Hooker shocks the world. Mm -hmm. GBO and there's a bunch of other oh, stuff in there. Oh, yeah, I, I, the cliff I wouldn't first. be shocked though. I, I'm I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think Hooker actually after this season should come out. I know people are gonna say that's crazy talk, uh, but your risk of injury. So weak NFL draft. You're going to have the numbers. You're already fourth in efficiency in the country. You're up for a lot of quarterback awards. 
can't get any better. You've already shown what you can do at Virginia Tech. Now you just cemented that by having a great last season. Yeah, so I, I would come out. That's why I keep asking that question. Mm-hmm. It, because I used to say, oh, man, why are they coming out? Then all of a sudden they go in the third round. Well, it's a weak quarterback draft. So, yeah. I think what, what if JT Daniels stays in? Uh, oh, shoot, crap, I'm coming out. Yeah, that's why I asked about him earlier with uh, Mike Griffith. Uh, I, I think Hook needs to run tomorrow. I think his legs mm-hmm. can be a big weapon for him. But my shot is Titans keep the winning streak going over the New Orleans Saints, ooh, ooh. the visiting New Orleans Saints. Who that? Who that nation? I think the Titans get the win over who that nation. Uh, we'll be on talking about it. Bucket, uh, 9 a.m. and us at 10 a.m. on Sunday with the uh, good doctor, Kevin Dyson. But right now it's time for 3HL to get you the rest of the way home on this beautiful football Friday. Oh, yeah. And as always, Mickey, you know what it. Happens. Peace. Peace.